Hello and welcome to The Fandamentalist, the fandom podcast investigating all aspects of geeky media. Oh, sorry, did I hit my head and wake up in patriarchal bullshit land? Don't put me in charge! It certainly worries me to make self-defeating mistakes out of fear of appearing weak. You were right. We are from different worlds. That is a failing indeed, but I cannot laugh at it. Welcome to the I Disappoint Dad Club. That theme song you just heard is Good Riddance by Ars Sonar, which is available on the Free Music Archive. My name is Kylie, and here with me are Julia. Hey. Gretchen. Hello. And the programming chair of TGIFM slash Leah. Hello. Hi, Leah. Hey. You can't see me waving. Yes. (laughs) Well, thank you for coming back. The reason uh, you are here is because there was a huge geeky movie that was just released. Uh, You might have heard of it because it's sucking up everyone's conversation about everything. Disobedience. (laughs) If only. It is Avengers Infinity War, and I do believe we have split opinions on it, so we bring you this podcast episode, The Infinity War War. Ooh. Let us keep it it. civil. Nice. Wrong movie there. Uh, Anyway, uh, two quick apologies on my part. I am fighting off a cold, and I broke my good microphone in transit. So if I sound a little funny this week, uh, that's probably going to continue until I have a few paychecks. Yep, that's all we got. Uh, other than that, we have had a month off, so yeah. how have you guys been spending it? Um, I've done some squats and some burpees. <laughs> Every time. That's what I've been doing. So, like, doing squats. Non-stop squats. All the time. If you're not doing that, you're, like, doing burpees or something. Yeah, right? squats and burpees. First you do squats, Ooh. and then you do burpees over the barbell. Duh. That makes me want to throw up yeah sometimes you throw up <laughs> it's part of the experience okay gretchen you <laughs> anything interesting um well Klexicon happened yeah. and i have been like mostly just trying not to be super stressed out just fine life is just crazy right now so it's yeah fine. yeah i i can echo that one um i moved halfway across the country and started a new job so no big um however i know the question on everyone's mind was how did tristane do on the plane ride and true he he was a little scared to take off on landing and he did poop himself before i had to take him out to go through security but other than that it was great and he's actually sleeping on my desk right now so does he have his blanket Mm -hmm. good We have a lot of news to catch up on, and I think one of the bigger pieces-ish is that uh, by the time this recording has dropped, there will be another giant geeky movie that's almost out, and that is Solo. It's coming out next weekend. I am so hype. Oh my god, you have no idea. We've already decided that we're going to pre-drink, and we're going to go to the VIP thing so we can continue to drink during the movie. And What if it's just just fine? It's going to be so awesome. I'll be so drunk. <laughs> and when we were when we went to see Infinity Wars a couple of days ago, um, there was just like so much marketing for Solo. And every time I saw Mila Clark's face, I wanted to just like grab 
thing of popcorn and just throw it at the screen. Because for some reason, like, she's been, like, my rage trigger lately. <laughs> Don't know why. I just, like, I just really, I'm only going to see it because of Lando Calrissian. Like, I will be perfectly honest. Yeah. But if what, Donald Glover as yeah. Lando was not in this movie, I would not go see this movie. What and if it I turns out he's only in it for, like, ten minutes? Then I'm going to yell Get up and leave. <laughs> I mean, here, right. here's what I will say. Uh, I found the most recent trailer for it shockingly coherent, which was more yeah. than I thought it would be. Um, I also saw a headline on Slate that I didn't click on because I didn't want to know anything more than what it told me, which was that apparently Solo also has the origin story for why Lando mispronounces his best friend's name. Um Anyone who knows me knows that my biggest beef with George Lucas, the man who cannot stop re-editing his own movies, is that he has not gotten Billy D. Williams in a recording studio to just say, Han, Han, in various tones of voice, and re-editing it so that Lando can say Han's name and not Han. But apparently now they're going to just legitimately make that a part of canon, that that's just what he does. Well, like, for a even if that is him screwing with his friend, what about when he's dangling like, over panicked? a sarlacc? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, you'd think that really would be the, the time. time. You'd think that would be the time to drop the joke. <laughs> but maybe after like over a decade's worth of calling him Han, like Han, out of like just to trolling. be absurd, like he just can't. Yeah, he like he the trolling became he can't actually he can't actually say Han. Yeah, that's so, amazing. So the fact that Solo is now going to retcon in a reason for that. Because it drives me. I mean, nuts. That, that's either funny or do, eye rolling. I can't decide which one. I do find that it's kind Star of Star Wars. Yeah. So, like, it's Star Wars. They will retcon in a rationale for everything. You know, I, I will level with you guys. I like caper movies, so there is actually a chance yeah. I will like this movie, and right. that's it's, just like so awesome. Is this <laughs> what looks like a hot mess? Been? I think so. Maybe. I, I think I Rogue say, One was exactly what it was supposed to be. It was a beautiful, delicate flower. Okay, that's what Rogue I One will, was. I will say I do really like the some of the information we're learning about the droid, like L3. The um, sassy droid. The sassy droid who believes in droids' rights. I'm just super excited that like droids' rights is now actually a part of Star Wars canon, that like that's a thing that yeah, it really certain should be. people care about. Because it should be a thing. Because that's like the big like elephant in the room that no one talks about is that the droids Except are basically slaves. Except for Poe Dameron. Aww. Like the droids are basically like slaves yeah. mm-hmm. and no one acknowledges it. And now we have a droid who believes in droids rights and that just makes me happy. Well, the headline I saw about this and I didn't read it. So maybe I'm totally off the mark of what they're intending is that if Solo is a financial success, which it will be because Disney, uh, there are going to be Solo sequels. I mean, if it's a financial success and a critical flop, will there still be sequels? I just can can we can we have a Lando movie, please, yeah, I, please? Hoping, if you're going to make multiple solo movies, can we, we need have a, a young Leia movie? movie? Yes. I just there's only so much digging into Han's character you can do because he has an arc in the original trilogy because yeah. he's kind of immature. Like, well, his like his like legends backstory was about how like he was at the academy or something like that and. Yeah. So there's there's stuff that My you can't favorite explore. part of the solo trailer is that he says, I'm a driver and I'm a flyer. And I'm like, Han, the word is pilot. <laughs> flyer is something else. Oh my god. But like oh. but here's the thing, if someone calls him out on that in the moment, 
then it's Han. That's Han. Because he's just yeah. a mighty dork. Right. <laughs> if they let him get away with that line like it's cool, I'm out. No. But right. if someone goes, that's not a word, it's pilot, and he, like, makes <laughs> a pouty face, then I'm like, that's Han Solo. I, I think right. the key is that the writers need to not be obsessed with the cool image of Han, because... It doesn't exist, not... it's not a thing. No! <laughs> it no, wasn't even a thing in the original trilogy, like, just... Ugh. Mm. He's just like, like he's, he's a flight all, risk, like, right? Facade. He's yeah. got this facade of this cool, like cool guy. But he's the one who was like, "Fine, fine, everything's fine. We're fine here." How you are know you? who he is? He's like, jo- he's, he's a dork. He's Joe Bluth a little bit. Nice segue. Excellent job. Nice he segue into yeah. no, I mean slightly in that like he thinks he's very cool and he's not. But speaking of Joe Bluth, uh, Arrested Development season five is coming out May 29th. Like no one's heard anything about it, but okay, yeah. it's coming. And uh, season four was actually recut chronologically. If anyone remembers, it was first released as this like artsy format where you care you follow characters specifically. Yeah, and I'm the and only the person who liked it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a clever way for them to get around the actors not literally being near each other. Like. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, the recut chronological version is on Netflix right now. I watched through it. I actually think it's a lot funnier. Sorry, Doya. I know, I, I caught what they were doing, and I enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah, I think there are pros and cons to both. But, like, the the chronological recut makes sense because they um, they want to get syndicated. And if yeah. they want to get syndicated, then, like, they need to be able to air episodes like I this. Was, yeah, I was wondering if that was the reason. Yep. Syndication okay. feels like such a thing of the past. <laughs> yep. But they need, they need 100 episodes, which is also why they're doing a season five. Good God. Yeah, no, because the season four recut was basically just, I hope you like hearing Ron Howard's voice a lot, because right. he is bridging every gap in this narrative. Okay, I'm glad I wasn't the only one who thought that. It's been so long since I've watched the first three seasons that as I was watching season four, I was like, is it just me or is Ron Howard talking the whole time? He is, and then he was a character in it, and you're like, oh my god, this is so much Ron Howard. <laughs> and, then we just started, and then we were just talking about the solo movie. Yes, I'd say that, in hindsight, would have been the better segue. <laughs> I just realized that as you said it, and I have to go with what I went with, which is But you know, movies. illusions, Chewie, they're called illusions. I mean, Ron Howard probably does know the best acting coaches, so... It's, you know who great. the um, Joe Bluth of directors is, is Tim Hoffman. <laughs> How is he still working? I mean, at least fucking, like, Melty Face isn't in this movie. Sorry. So, I buried the lead. Or I, hey, like, for context of right. what Julia's talking yeah. about, Tim Burton made a remake, a live-action remake of Dumbo that's coming out in March 2019 starring Eva Green, Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito, and Colin Farrell? What the fuck? It's like, what the what the actual fuck is that? Is, is Eva Green his new, like, uh, HBC for him, do you think? Oh, God. Because she's kind not. of that, like, uh, angsty lady trope. Oh, oh boy. I mean, here's I the like, thing. Are there any- here's the thing. Oh, I've never actually watched Dumbo in full because I think it's terrifying. Um, frankly, it's kind of up his alley. <sighs> yeah. It's just a, it's literally a carnival what? of horrors. Drunk baby elephants and start to finish. Nothing good ever happens. (laughs) You can have Dumbo, Tim Burton. You just take it and run. No one wants it. But is like any because like who's clamoring like of all of the Disney remakes? (laughs) As long as all of the Disney remakes, who is like, gee, I really want to see a live action Dumbo. I really want to see a live action Song of the South. 
Oh, maybe boy. maybe uh oh they did to do be a fair of the movies that Fuck. need to be remade dumbo screams the most for it because it had the most problems i would mm. say there are like isn't one of the characters actually named jim crow yeah isn't they thought it, yes. they thought it was hilarious yeah. and edgy at the time i think i'm sure oh, yeah. but Kinda no I, I mean i agree with you can we get a live action black cauldron first yes <laughs> like that would be yes incredible <laughs> But make it actually like the books. Yeah. And like, so it would it actually watchable. be called the, the Book of Three. I want live-action fox Robin Hood who's still a fox for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uncanny Valley! <laughs> oh my gosh. Speaking of uncanniness, Bran. Bran. Bran from Game of Thrones. Hey guys, anyone who watched season uh, seven with us, do you remember how Bran said his powers are difficult to explain? <sighs> Well, yep. his his actor uh, gave a little interview where he was like, it's like he has an encyclopedia. He's not going to have the whole thing memorized, but if you ask him to look something up, he will. So that was so hard to explain. why wouldn't he look up the thing that he's been ruminating on for months? I, I, I could not even read this piece because it was so like... Well, and it's uh, just... <laughs> it was so like marketing fluff piece that I couldn't even read it. It's just Isaac Hempstead yeah. right reconciling how he explains his character. <laughs> isn't going to matter if he thinks mm. it's like an encyclopedia but we we know his true powers are reading the script in advance yes. speaking of the script in advance game of thrones season eight has the longest battle in history recorded yeah for tv because so everybody's attention will start to wander awesome it's, it's times like these that i wish we had sound effects and we could use like the monty python like and there was much rejoicing Yay! Yay. That to Robin you know what? I can splice it in. <laughs> no, but like honestly, like because I know it's not just me. Everybody has that point in a long action sequence where there's attention just wanders. I don't think a long battle is a good thing. No, no. I don't either. Well, it's like um the reason why Obi Wan and Anakin started out interesting, yeah. and then after two minutes, you're like um, and they fight and they fight and they fight. Yeah, right. Or like why and- the prequel? The prequel lightsaber battles don't work as well like yeah. one is that they're so highly choreographed um and two is because they're just so long yes. and you're like okay come on like can we and two like not? two breaky of the laws of physics so you're just like your brain is just like okay this is fake i can stop paying attention because it's just not real right <laughs> i mean maybe it will be like battle of the blackwater and we'll cut away to emotional character moments it's possible you think that kylie if it brings you comfort <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Bennett. <laughs> One of my favorite lines. I have no segue, so here you go, guys. Here's just a pile of shit being dropped on your plate. Um, James Cameron said of his Avatar sequel that he's going to be making like a series of sequels, and it's going to be a Godfather-like family saga. Okay. Guys, Fine. I used to be a real defender of James Cameron insofar as, like, what he does for the technology of the industry is important, even though he himself is not a particularly inspired storyteller. Yeah. I can't even give him that anymore. <laughs> he's just, all he does is talk about these sequels. Do we think he's mm. ever going to make them? I don't. I think he's just spouting headcanons at us. Like, I thought, like, he's literally, like, a 13-year-old kid, like, describing the fantasy novel they're gonna write that's gonna make them famous. Oh my god, that's exactly what it feels like. Avatar 2 is right now listed as 2020, so... Yeah, okay, buddy. Sure. With Kate Winslet? Oh, god. 
God. <laughs> James Cameron. <sighs> we're on to you. <sighs> Whatever. Whatever. All right. Um, if you want some good news, uh, the Luke Cage season two trailer dropped very recently. You yep. should watch it because it looks pretty cool. The antagonist looks cool, mm. especially. But when is the Iron Fist's next season coming out? That's what I want to know. That was the Marvel show that really moved me. Okay, but but one of my favorite, we're going to get to, we're talking about Infinity War today, guys. Uh-huh. But like, I will say one of my favorite like joke articles to come out after Infinity War was this, like, jokey article that said that um, <laughs> Luke Cage was disintegrated. Not Luke Cage. Um, Iron, Iron Fist, Fist. Was, disintegr- was, like, disintegrated off screen at the end of Infinity War. Yeah. And so, like, th- and everyone was relieved because that meant they didn't have to make another season of his yeah. show. Was it, wasn't the headline literally Netflix bre- breathes a sigh of yes. relief? Yeah. <sighs> it's great. And uh, never like, what do you do when your show... What, what do you do when your show of Jessica sucks, but it was really popular? Like, poor Marvel. Okay. Uh, if we can stand Marvel just a little bit longer, some casting news came out for Captain Marvel. Annette Benning is cast I'm for it. so She's excited. Been, is she yeah. cast as Captain Marvel? Everything. I'm sorry? She cast as Captain Marvel? No. No? no? Captain yeah. Marvel is what's-her-face. I have no idea. Alison Brie. <laughs> Alison yeah. Brie? Yeah. Are you shitting me? No. Wait. Uh. I think- no wait, Brie Larson, no, the no, other no, one. No, no, Jesus, no, 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 no. that would be Brie Larson. Okay, sorry, that's I got confused with the Brie and <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, Annie <laughs> from Community is not the Captain Marvel. Annie from Community is Captain Marvel would be incredible. Um, no, oh my God. Brie Larson of okay. of, Brie Larson. of Room Fame. Um, yeah. Uh, here's why I'm excited about Annette Benning, aside from her just being Annette Benning. Um, I feel like it brings us one step closer to what I really want in this world, uh, which is I want Allison Janney to be J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, oh my god. Yes. And I think it's... I didn't know I wanted I that till right now. I think it's possible. That's amazing. Um, hey, so we have uh, one final piece of news to end on, and it is just a buzzkill, which is on point for this episode, but Gretchen, do you want <laughs> to take this? true. Ending with everything to center. I'm I'm so angry right now because Brooklyn Nine Nine was canceled, and I just want to like, like I I literally have no like words for how angry it makes me. Like it's just like my I start to like try and say something about how angry I am, and my brain just short circuits. Like I just like why 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 this is one of the best things on TV and. You don't understand my pain. I recently decided to start watching it, and I'm on <sighs> season two. So, it's such a good show. It's so inclusive and so like funny and unique. And it. Just- <laughs> Hi, this is Kylie from the not so distant future. I just wanted to give you a quick update on this. Less than forty-eight hours after the cancellation notice of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, there was confirmation that it was picked up by NBC for a season six. So it was saved from the chopping block, and we now might get a Mike Schur comedy block hour on NBC of The Good Place in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which would be just incredible. So, yep, sorry for the false alarms there. It was canceled. Now it's not. And Fox is really silly. And now, back to the show. We have Infinity War to talk about, and obviously there will be full spoilers. So if you care about spoilers and have not seen it, just turn this podcast off. And I mean, we that, technically that's... have already spoiled it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you've managed to avoid that so far, good good on you. 
I will, um, if you've managed to avoid it, please please tell me how because that's really <laughs> impressive to be what able to avoid. Websites do you go on? Right. Homestar Runner. Like, how do you avoid things anymore? Right. Exactly. Like, I had basically the movie was spoiled like the day before it came out for me because someone that I knew had gotten like a pre screen access and was like talking oh, about man. stuff. And I was like, such a oh, dick okay. Move. I at least minded if you. I at least asked if you minded being spoiled before I like ranted at you. <laughs> right. So. And I and I usually don't, so Yeah, I know. Anyway. I think that if uh being spoiled uh actually makes a difference, then it's not well written. Yeah. Mm. Ooh, good you know point. what? Rebecca Sugar <clears throat> agrees with you. Good. She's very yeah. wise. So yeah, if you're gonna turn it off, turn it off. And I think next episode we'll be talking about <laughs> Steven Universe. Uh, we oh will God. be oh screaming about Steven Universe. So this episode is going to be the first segment talking about Thanos and sort of the implications of how he was scripted. Our fun segment is going to stay in the MCU, but MCU movies we would like to see personally. And then finally, we are going to conclude on, I don't know, plot and acedia things and general comic eventy things. So yeah. Okay. Anyway, let's scream about Infinity War. <laughs> Okay, so for our first segment on Infinity War, we are going to be talking about Thanos. Hands um, of fate. Woohoo. Um, I have to say, as someone who studied Greek, like, I walk in being like, oh, people are going to die. Because his, his name is literally from the Greek word for death, so. Oh, yeah. I just general grievous. The hands of fate. Right, right. It's just like, hi, my name is Death, and welcome to my party. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, that should be the way you start this podcast every week. <laughs> hi, my name is Death, and welcome to my party. Yes. Um, Hello, and welcome to Death. <laughs> Doom at eleven. Uh, so Thanos. Um, the one thing to like notice that I, well, that I noticed was that he fits very well into the mold of what we would call a villain protagonist. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who might not be aware of the distinction between like, you know, I can hear people being like, but he's the bad guy. Yes. Um, well, the protagonist is not the same as the hero. So the hero is the character that we're rooting for to be successful. The protagonist is the character who, um, either changes, learns, grows, or struggles the most over the film, like, the course of, like, a piece of media. Um, the person who's kind of, like, the one with, like, the major arc. The one who's, like, looking to accomplish something, primarily. Like kill everybody? Or half right. of everybody, for example? Yeah, I mean, villains are always looking mm. to do something. That's what makes them villains. Right. But, like, typically villains are just, like, I have, a like, a evil master plan. <laughs> Mwahahaha. Like, Thanos actually pretty, fo like, follows a pretty stereotypical hero's journey mm -hmm. in the yeah, arc. Yes. Like, yeah. he's looking for, like, mad he's on a quest to find magical items that will change the world, has to overcome obstacles, has to travel long distances, like, sacrifices something he loves. He even loses a mentor. Right? He Yeah, he does. <laughs> yep. Like, the creepy guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He oh, has, right. like, he constantly has his, his beliefs, like, tested by those who, like, lack the, like, conviction or will, as he calls it, mm -hmm. to, like, believe as strongly as he does in what he's going for. It's just that he's the villain. And, like, mm -hmm. all of the things that he's overcoming are, like, the heroes who are trying to stop yeah. him. I mean, like, what other candidates for protagonist are there? I mean, that's kind of my I issue would say, with the movie. I would say that if it weren't 
I mean, I, that's the, the, the reason that he is the protagonist is because there's no other mm-hmm. way to write this, essentially. It, well, and exactly. like Marcus that's and McFeely problem. have talked about this, which is that they tried writing it a bunch of other ways, and ultimately the only time it started clicking was when they realized the only thing these threads have in common is Thanos, therefore... Mm. Putting it that's through his lens is like, what that's, makes that's it my actually problem like with a- the MCU. It's my problem with the Avengers movies because, like, you have these standalone movies that work so well on a character level, but then you're like, oh, we have to have all these people in an Avengers movie, and we have to have a story in that movie, and there's no way that all those characterizations that you've painstakingly like made for the standalone movies can survive an Avengers movie. And so, like, you have so many, like, good guys here that you have to shove into this one movie. They're only, yeah, you, you, like, you're right, Leah, their only choice was to make the villain the protagonist, and, like, that's where all our issues stem from. Well, I, I have a question on that. Um, why couldn't Gamora be the I mean, that's, that was what I was going to say next, which is, mm-hmm. first right. and foremost, this is Thanos' movie. Second, it's Gamora's. Yeah. And I think third, it's Thor's, which is really kind of exciting and unexpected. Maybe Tony Stark's. A little bit. I would say it's Thor's more than it's Tony's. I I don't disagree. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, but yeah, <laughs> I I wish we could live in a world where this was Gamora's movie. I think it was certainly right. yeah. This was more so Gamora's movie than either of the Guardians movies have been, which I was very gratified right. by because my biggest want for this movie was that Gamora would be highlighted and not just, like, mm. put to the sideline. And she certainly... W- say whatever else you will about Gamora's mm. storyline here. <laughs> the movies did not yeah. forget that she has the highest devotional stakes in this whole circumstance to begin with. Um, yeah. Right. Certainly it remembered that. I... When I first heard spoilers, because I, I knew everyone who died going into the movie... Um, I actually had assumed that Gamora got killed off fairly early. I don't know why, but it was just kind of, I think it was just an assumption I made. It was like, oh, if Gamora dies for him to get a stone, it's probably pretty early on in the movie. Because, I mean, society has trained me to expect like, oh, if like a girl, if a lady's going to get fridged right. for like the protagonist to accomplish his quest, it's probably going to be pretty early on. Um, so I was actually pleasantly surprised by how long she survived, like, the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she survived Every, until like, after my son asked me when the movie was going to be over for the first time. So. Savage. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but, like, her death kind of reminds me, this is a weird comparison, but it reminds me of the baker's wife's death in, uh, Into the Woods. Oh. Where just the, emo- the emotional energy Sorry, just on, drops from the film <laughs> as soon as, and, or the play, as soon as she's gone. You're just like, boom. Can this thing end now? Hmm. Because for everyone else, it's just stop but, bad thing. But also, the baker's wife's death informs the ending really dramatically. Like, yeah, well, I would say that's a much better crafted narrative than this. <laughs> well, this narrative is only halfway done. I, I mean, and we'll get sure. to that in uh, a second. Yeah. We'll get right, to that. Right. That's its own conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. But like, okay, let's, let's talk Thanos and his motivations. Because, um, I don't know what the most thing that bugged me was his insistence that this wasn't political. <laughs> Which, it's, like, it's I was not political sh- genocide. I yeah. wasn't yeah. sure whether to laugh or cry. <laughs> I mean, Wait. okay, let's. First of all, in the comic uh-huh. books, Thanos has a different motivation. Uh, Nobody's yeah. read the comic books. <laughs> well, right. Well, that's why. That's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, in the comics. 
Thanos is obsessed with death, as in mm-hmm. literally Lady Death is a woman that he's in love with. You mean Hela? No, a different character named Lady Death, who is Death. She's the goddess of death, and she's Death. Like who is Hela. separate from Hela, but is Death. And he okay. just has a big old boner for Death, and he was, wants to kill a lot of people, so she and he's will be also obsessed death. with him. Uh, I mean... So when Hella could have filled this role if they had really wanted to. Yeah. I mean, they've been setting up the Thanos arc from the first Avengers movie. This is, yeah. I mean, could they have done that? Which sure. they've had a lot of time to think this through. But again, oh like, For- part of what the Marvel, what, part of what the MCU is doing mm-hmm. is digesting and recapitulating and, and, and sort of. Yeah. Uh, curating Marvel canon and the yeah. Thanos Infinity Crisis arc is you know, a thing that happened that they wanted to address. Um, when your basis is dude just loves death a lot, I can see how, especially once you've decided for structural purposes this person has to be our our protagonist, that's just mm-hmm. not going to fly as your primary motivation for a film character. Yes, but... Is this an I just feel like it could have worked and it would have been such so an too. interesting social commentary. As a couple of articles that I've read have pointed out, like, that's a villain protagonist for right now, for like the Me Too movement. It would it could have been such an interesting, like, pointed Someone commentary about death? like about like male entitlement oh, well, and like sure. how like grand gestures of romance and like the belief that you like how all of that can be twisted and become something really ugly. Like but I'm sorry, I'm sorry that this guy, like, killing people to impress a girl is just, like, that is an uphill battle to make me not just... Right, as opposed to, it doesn't occur to dude that you can just double resources instead of have consumers, because he's really stupid, but weird. Okay, interested. Kylie, you wrote a piece about this, which is, like, blowing yeah, up our sight, so take it away. <laughs> Thanos um, doesn't have a point and someone should tell the writers. So, like, I... <laughs> For, for the piece I wrote, mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people in the comment sections got confused where they thought I was saying the writers thought Thanos had a point about the snap, about, like, the genocide. And, like, I don't think genocide was endorsed at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was that weird moment where he's like, well, I killed half of your your people, Gamora, and the planet's doing great now. Footage and, like, not found, so I'm just going to well, assume that he's bullshitting. Yeah, I we guess. also don't know why he's the only Titan left on Titan. Just gonna sure, point like that we, out. right? But all this requires audience to be like, "Oh, well, we have to assume he's like bullshitting," yeah. rather than anyone actually having a counterpoint to anything. But my issue is that like they wanted to make him kind of like we could get more to the tragedy of Thanos later with mm-hmm. that like sob story and the personal sacrifice he had to go. Like, but just, like they- the thing is, like if I were a space alien who didn't have any conception of human morality, and I was just like watching this movie based on how it was framed. I'm not sure I would get that Thanos is wrong. Like, I know yeah. that Thanos is wrong because I'm a human with, like, human morals. <laughs> but, like, um, like, Steve like, says his, like, we don't trade lives tears. with his beautiful hair. That's all. Anything. His single manly tear, you know? Like, just, like... <laughs> well... The end scene where he's, like, looking at the sunset and, like, I can finally rest. Just, like... Like the emotional cues, yes, like, the, like the emotional cues when he's crying. Like mm-hmm. the his actions are literally the ex- like his actions are literally the exact same ones as some of the actual heroes in the story, and no one ever makes a distinction between those two. I mean, like, I don't. The emotional the framing makes the distinction. I I would say that Does it's it? framed in that way to show that it's grotesque. 
Well, no, but here's the thing that my problem is, is that we're supposed to think he took an idea to this like really chilling utilitarian extreme. And that's what makes him villainous is that he has like that disconnection from, you know, our sense of humanity um, or whatever it is, because he's in a universe and not just related to humans. But my, my issue is that like the idea, the problem he was trying to solve of overpopulation <laughs> isn't a real problem. Like if you think it is, you have to really dig into like what Malthus was saying, which was a whole lot of racist crap. Mm-hmm. So right. it's it's kind of a problem that I believe like there it just felt to me like the writers of the movie really do think overpopulation's an issue. Yeah. Or like it will inevitably become an issue. And I don't I that, I don't read I read Thanos so the same way I would read this is going to be a very controversial statement in this room. I read him the same way I would read any Korra villain, which is that, like, they have an idea about society that, at its very deep-down core, has something worth contemplating, but they take it to such a wild extreme that it shows... That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. He doesn't have something worth contemplating, because we should not be contemplating overpopulation as a legitimate concern. Right, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, especially the way that he thinks that the solution is to kill half the people. I mean, like... I mean, a lot. It's of, not even a reasonable solution yeah. at face value. It's not like a reasonable solution taken to extreme. It's not even a reasonable solution at all. But I the mean, problem what, isn't what, even a problem. Is what I'm sure. Saying. I mean, what I see is the thing that's worth worth contemplating in his worldview is the idea that death comes for all of us and privilege shouldn't matter. Uh, which I do. First but, of all, that's barely touched upon. I mean, right? Like, if that yeah. were more of a focus, I might, yeah, I might find value in that. But it's like, like if it was all like you could be one of the ones, you could be one of the half. You know, like you don't know, you don't know whether you're saved or damned. Basically, I think what bothers me the most to bring it back to your Cora analogy is that there was an effort to engage with Zahir on his philosophy and Kuvira on her philosophy, and you can kind of see the way that they have these ideas that have fallen out of balance. There was no counterpoint ever raised to Thanos other than Janora, uh, Gamora kind of saying, like... Killing his uh, wrong. That's <laughs> that was, a really, that was really incredible. funny slip, by the way. Yeah, I'm sorry. That was, uh, I, I was love just, it. Uh, Cora on the mind. But no, no, other than Gamora being like... uh genocide's bad and then he followed it up with well your planet's doing fine now and that was it like it didn't actually feel like anyone was trying to engage with him there was there was that kind of like thread about how like you can't like trade lives you can't pick and choose who lives and who dies like that's kind of there except the whole except the whole point of the movie was that everyone was deciding who got to live and who died they're just doing it on a different scale than he is yeah, because like in the end, Elizabeth Olsen had to go and try and sacrifice Vision. Anyway. That that theme, that theme is like very like that entire thing about like you know killing somebody you love for the sake of some higher value is right. the most present theme in this movie. Yes, and Thanos is doing it on and a Thanos, very different scale. But Thanos also does it on an individual scale. Yes, just like two and of he the fucking heroes. To Elizabeth Olsen because yeah. he relates to Elizabeth Olsen. So what is that telling us? What is that saying about him? What's that framing him as? I mean, that's like, my problem. Like, like, like you right. said, Kylie. I don't think they're endorsing his behavior. Yeah, I, it's I think just, I'm not sure they know what they're doing. As, as endorsing Thanos is an yeah. incredibly uncharitable view. No, it's not I don't that, think that they don't know what they're doing. They're not. They don't know what they're saying. I don't think. Right. I think they're presenting him as if he has a point, mm-hmm. as if there's right. a problem he's trying to solve, and he just went to this really chilling, bad extreme to solve it. And my issue is that. That assumption to begin with should have never been there, or it required heavy engagement, because that's a dangerous rhetoric, especially in our very xenophobic Mm -hmm. culture right now. It's really, really dangerous. I also just don't think that, like, they seemed to be under the impression that, like, it would make the movie better if he were relatable. 
I was just like, but why though? I want to know. I mean, why. like, I think he would have worked if he was like basically a force of nature. Right. You know, like, why does he have to be relatable? Why does mm-hmm. he have to like offer this sacrifice? Like we know my, my actually, my biggest frustration is having just recently rewatched Guardians of the Galaxy 2, like watching that movie and then coming in, like you watch Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and you're like, right, he's a fucking abuser. Mm-hmm. He's an, he's an awful human being who abused his children every single day of their lives that they lived with him. He pitted his two daughters against each other. He, like, treated one like shit and literally, like, maimed her body regularly when she failed to perform the way that he wanted to. And then he He turned his his other other daughter like shit in other ways. And now we're supposed to come into this movie and, like, emotionally relate to him. And I'm like, I shouldn't. No, though. I don't want to. And, like, Gamora's trying to to make you not, but the rest of the narrative is trying to make you do. Right. And it's so confusing. The distinction I want to make too, and this is related to what Gretchen just said, is that I don't think the movie framed Thanos Mm -hmm. as sympathetic, but I think it invited us to sympathize with him in certain moments. Yes. I would say that. Okay, okay, um, if I can kind of like tip, like, when um, Red Skull, who is there for some reason, tells Thanos that he has to sacrifice someone he loves, Gamora starts laughing because she's like, ha ha, you've never loved anybody. Now it's like bit you in the butt. And sure. he's like, no, I love you. Huh? And it's like this huge moment. But just like, Gamora should have been right. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Gamora okay, so had here's, the point. Here's what I'll say about that. I mean, on, this, on the one hand, uh, a piece of art should stand on its own. And saying that you'll decide how you feel about it when you've seen the rest of it is tricky. Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, Star Wars. Like, I'm sure there are plenty of, I mean, there's plenty of people now who say like, there are things that I will decide how I feel about it that happened mm-hmm. in, you know, Last Jedi, where it kind of, I need to see how it pans out before I decide how I feel about it later. Right. Yeah. So, like, th- when you're in, when you're watching something that's in a series, to a certain extent, you know you have to wait. I think that the baby Gamora that we see isn't just in his head. I think that's part of some soul stone fuckery. I think that was confirmed and, by yeah, uh, so, a director. Just because something appeared to work doesn't necessarily mean that it actually worked or it worked the way he thought it would. I don't know. He can kill half the people in the universe by snapping his fingers. That means he has all the infinity stones, right? Oh, sure. Yes. But possessing a stone and being able to use it, you know, the way it's... We see some of those flashbacks before he has possession of the soul stone. Flashbacks, yes, but not like the weird... I'm not talking about the final scene. I'm talking about like... The, the narrative, like, seems to... And some of them like, are from... Well, no, half of those, no, some of those are from Gamora's point of view. Yeah. Right, right. I think what, what really, 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 really bothers me about this, as someone who is, like, a child of an abusive family um, with an abusive parent, is that, um, you know, I see a lot of people saying, like, well, he believed he loved her. And I'm like, yeah. Right. But it isn't just that he believed he loved her. The narrative, The narrative itself... Confirms. Confirms it. Mm-hmm. Both Mantis, both Mantis explicitly confirms that he that actually loved her. Yeah. And if he hadn't actually loved her, he would not have received the soul stone. They established in canon that the soul stone will only like appear to someone who like offers an actual sacrifice of something yeah. that they love. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he was rewarded with the soul stone means that it isn't just all in his head. It's not just some twisted like he's an abuser and believes he loves her. Like, right, he but actually, according to the narrative, loves her. Yeah. 
And I think that the fact that, like, they had every opportunity to, like, call out his bullshit and make it very clear that, like, yeah, he, like, yeah, he might have a twisted idea of love, Mm -hmm. but, like, he's a fucking abuser. And, like, I don't think the narrative went far enough. No. And the fact that, like, you know, somebody like Peter Quill, who's a hero, who's a good guy, was willing to do the same thing to someone he loved... You know, the fact that Elizabeth Olsen was willing to do something kind of like makes an equivalency between all their actions, which I find objectionable. Right, right. And because by like, by, by wanting us to sympathize in those moments where he feels grief and loss, like it, it caught, it's trying, it inadvertently causes us to sympathize with someone who is abusive to these people without balancing that by being explicitly calling out that he mm-hmm. I don't know how much abusive. more explicit you can get than the scene where we see what he's done to Nebula. I, I really don't, I really... Why? I mean, like, I, I really, I don't disagree that that's how the movie frames him. Where my, my perspective is that, again, in showing how he's going through the motions of, like you said, doing the same thing Peter Quill does or the same thing that mm-hmm. Wanda does... It's showing that how grotesque he is because he thinks they're the same. I don't think we're supposed to think that. The movie makes them the same, though, by yeah, giving like it, by rewarding him with by rewarding him with the soul stone. It makes right, them the same. and then the world ends. It's not good that this is true. <laughs> but, but even but true. even saying that it is true creates an equivalency between. I'm sorry, his dream is to that I find troubling. His like dream is to complete this righteous mission so he can go look at the sunset. The last shot of the movie is him looking at the sunset. Like, I, I I don't know. I think some of it is too just like visceral. Also, like this was a fucking slap in the face to watch as a survivor. Yep. Like, yep. it's there's two scenes. Two scenes where Gamora asserts herself to Thanos. One of them, she thinks she killed him, and she starts crying. Oh, ha ha! It was just a trick. You didn't actually kill him, and he knew that you would cry because he got it. The second scene was her standing up. Oh yeah, you never. You actually didn't love anyone. You're not mm-hmm. capable of that. Well, fuck you, Jim Gamora. It's you know, you didn't understand how he really is. He does love you. And now he gets the soul stone and can commit genocide with mm-hmm. it. But it's okay because Red Skull told him that if he's able to do it, then he understands the privilege of killing someone and how that's going to relate on a large scale because we needed a Nazi there to tell him that. Like what, what was the time? I forgot that? that Red Skull was a Nazi. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. <laughs> I did not understand why they decided just to bring a whole Red other, Skull in. That was just like, so incredibly and, wonderfully random. It was like, that's what I hope to feel when I watch Solo. Well, and like, that is, that, that adds such a weird tone too, because mm-hmm. Red Skull literally says, like, I tried to, to have the Infinity Stones, <laughs> but they rejected me. So it's like, so a Nazi's so bad that the Soul Stones were like, no, sorry, <laughs> you can't have us, like, <laughs> But and like it's this torture, other guy, it's just torture to just look at it, I'm right? Like, this oh, other guy, like I guess, apolitical genocide is fine for <laughs> fine enough for the Soul Stones to allow themselves to be used that way. It was just really weird. I don't know yeah. why they did that. Like, like it just felt like just spitting on everything that Gamora had gone through. Honestly, yeah. I and, and I don't think we're done with Gamora. I I doubt we are. But this is still a movie standing on its yeah. own for a year. Like, doesn't it have to be? kind of observed on its own especially when it's this big you both have a point there you both have a point there but like there is something to be said for what i'm feeling right now and maybe i'll feel completely differently when the next avengers movie comes out like maybe i'll realize what a wonderful masterpiece this was and how (laughs) everything interconnects beautifully like it's possible but like these feelings are still real and sure 
And the soul stone was still awarded to him. Exactly. The one thing I could say, like, first of all, that contrivance for the soul stone and how it was released, that didn't have to exist. That wasn't introduced before this movie, right? Like, we never knew how the soul stone operated. Mm -hmm. So why couldn't it be something? I don't know how this would have happened, but, like, Gamora was willing to save Nebula at the cost of the greater good. Maybe somehow there's a situation where she sacrifices herself to save Nebula that somehow releases the soul stone and Thanos gets it. Just something where it's not an abuser being like, you were wrong about how deeply I loved you and kills her. Right. And then gets the stone, you know? Right. Like that's just, if even like maybe Gamora asks make, him like, it. what was the price that you paid as though like we're supposed to be like, Oh, poor Thanos. He paid such a high price. Like, I also just don't understand how who decided to script Gamora as as being so obtuse about <laughs> her abusive parent. Like one of the coping mecha- mechanisms that children of like survivors of abuse develop is like the ability to read their abuser like like kind of frighteningly accurately. Like that's a yeah, coping survival. mechanism for survival. Yeah. You learn how to read their moods. You learn how to basically like you know, see things before they happen. A lot of highly intuitive people who come out of abusive, like there's a correlation between highly intuitive people and abusive homes because you have to be highly intuitive in order to survive. So like, why was it that she literally could not read him ever in the whole movie? Mm-hmm. And she's she like the most successful. He was, she was the most successful of his abuse victims, you know? <laughs> so. Right. And she didn't know how to read him. Like mm-hmm. heck nebula like, knew how to read him better and was literally like, let me die because he's not, like, that's the only way you're going to stop him. Gretchen, the magic bean man needed to get his magic bean. <laughs> I mean, I... my I was really... I was personally frustrated by the part where she started laughing because I was like, oh, you know she knows. That should have been a no-shit moment for her, not a, right. not a triumph that is yeah. taken away. I found that hand-fisted. Right. I thought yeah. that's what she was laughing about. When, right, yeah, like, like a like helpless, a yeah. like I'm fucked, laugh. Right, yeah, right. and then okay. it wasn't that. I, I, I think how we're supposed to read it, which I don't think succeeded, but I think was the what they were aiming for was that she's gotten so comfortable being with a new family that she loves that she's kind of lost her footing navigating how to be with Thanos. I don't oh, man, think it. The honey is flowing out of your pot. <laughs> no, genuinely, genuinely, I think that's what we're supposed to think because they really emphasized Gamora and Peter as being a functional relationship for the first time. Um, I actually found that oddly jarring. <laughs> I found it. I found it. In, I found it. I found it nice yeah. because that's what I wanted from them this whole time, and I finally got it. Well, and two years had passed between Guardians 2 and this, right? Yeah. Wasn't that the timeline? Yeah. And so, like, oh, I had forgotten. Yeah. And yeah. so I think I think that's why we got as... The fact that she was singing along to his music, right? that to me was the sign of, like, this is a different Gamora. She's really I learned think, how to kind of let go of yeah. some of her walls at the worst possible time. I think there's something to that. But Again, I think it's ham-fisted and stupid, but I think that's what they were doing for. (laughs) And I I honestly think this might be just a huge, your mileage will vary based on your experiences moment. Um, We are, I don't feel like talking about Thanos anymore, so why don't we take a break? But can we say shout out to the guy who played him, whose name I am blanking on? He might have done too good of a job. That might be (laughs) a lot of the problem. Mm. Oh yeah, shit. What was his name? I know this. I, I keep wanting to say Bruce Willis because the Thanos face looks like Bruce Willis to me it does so much. Josh Brolin. Yeah. Yep. 
Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, good I job, Josh Brolin. And he'd know heat for making us so He angry. did do an excellent job. And this is also yeah. um, an entirely yeah. motion capture performance. Like, yeah. I'll say that part yeah. was all pretty cool. That Not was, really like, the that... point of what we're talking about. <laughs> no, right. I will say, I watched this in 3D. It's the first movie I've seen in 3D in like eight years because I hate watching in 3D so much. And boy, do not watch movies in 3D. Just <laughs> stick with standard. Anyway, uh, we are going to transition into our fun segment, maybe just to, you know, 10 minutes kick it around, some MC movies we actually want to see. I have a very sad backstory where nobody had enough resources because there were too many people. Before we get going, as a quick note, that soundbite you just heard was from the YouTuber Jenny Nicholson's video, Thanos Had a Great Plan. The video's great, she's great, so yeah, check that out. Okay, so, Julia, you once did an MCU rewatch project, uh-huh, didn't you? I did. So, let's start with you, because you're clearly an expert. <laughs> okay, I never want another Iron Man movie ever again, and it looks like that's not going to happen, so yay, hooray. Um... Yeah, I never want to see fucking Gwyneth Paltrow in another fucking Marvel movie. Let's say that. Um, but I do want to see more uh, movies headed by women. And Captain Marvel is going to be that. So yay. Um, I don't know why there's no Black Widow movie. I really don't. Um, there's there's going to be one now that it's too late. No one wants it anyway. Yeah. Right. I, can, of course. Yeah. Has anyone like tracked what's been going on with her lately? Like, I'll follow up on she that. Was, she was absolutely nothing in this movie. Nothing at all. Okay. Um, but... So my, like, other than Black Panther, which I think kind of, like, goes without saying, because it's Black Panther, my favorite person in this movie was uh, Scarlet Witch, which, like, shocked me. I want. I to, would yeah, love I, to have a Scarlet yeah. Witch movie. Scarlet Witch and Wakanda. That's what I want. Mm. <laughs> um, I, I just want to remind that. you of the time that, like, she accidentally killed a, the Wakandan, like, diplomatic party. That's yeah, that, that can, that can, it was an accident. that can be a story about, <laughs> they build it up. Okay, I'm sorry, that was such a stupid plot contrivance. I mean, like, was it better that he blew up in the middle of the crowded market? No. <sighs> it's fine, go on. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, that's what I want. I want Scarlet Witch and Wakanda. That's, that's okay. my dream Marvel movie. Alright. <laughs> Leah, what is your oh, dream boy. Marvel movie? Um, I wish that we'd gotten a Black Widow movie when it actually made sense. Mm-hmm. And yes. I wish it were immediately post-Winter Soldier when she's let out all of the state secrets and it's the first time mm. she has to go on an espionage mission when her cover has been officially blown and everyone knows she's Black Widow. I like that. That's good. That does sound really good. Mm-hmm. Right? Doesn't it, though? I've had a long time to think about this. <laughs> I also wish that uh, this is not a Marvel movie, but I also wish that Agent Carter had had a season three, and they just switched it to oh, being no. Sharon. Car- no, and they switched it to being about Sharon. Okay, because they have okay. never figured out a way to actually use Sharon effectively, and giving her her own TV show would have been the way to do that. I mean, mm. like, like this is what I said about Agent Carter. Just like after season two, I was happy that it was canceled, but <laughs> right. like. If it was canceled after season one, I would have been infuriated. Same. So, yeah. Let's not get into that debate because agree, yeah. but oh my god. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Emily Van Camp has been very wasted and mm-hmm. deserves her own series at the end. <laughs> I could agree with that. All right, Gretchen, what's your burning desire in the MCU? Well, I'm only like in, I've only seen like three Marvel movies. <laughs> Maybe four. <laughs> Thank god this was one of them. 
I'm not. And I only begrudgingly went. I was like, fine. Like I, I was like, fine. We're gonna talk about Infinity War. I guess I'll go see it. Um, I have literally seen Thor, <laughs> um, Guardians of the Galaxy two, Black Panther, and this and Infinity War. So this is not generally my fandom. This is not like my playground. However, oh, buddy. um. I would love to see I would love to see more Black Panther movies. I would love to I would love for that to be like its own kind of mini franchise. Um because I think there's so much potential in Wakanda. Um I read an article that that talked about it as if like that could be like its own kind of subset of the universe that has multiple different like branching off points because there's so much to explore mm-hmm. in both the current existence of Wakanda and its history that you could I mean you could do like couple of tv shows you could do a couple of other standalone movies like i would like to know more about like the female black panther that we saw in um then the realm of the ancestors like there's just yeah. like there's so much you could do so i'm like literally anything that's black panther centric like i am 100 percent here for um i would also love to see um like my ideal like i guess it's in this realm would be like valkyrie finding a place in the dora milaje like <laughs> meeting them and then being like, I lost my group of warriors. Like teach me to like, can I be a part of yours? Like I want her to like find this other group of like badass warrior women and be like, can I hang out with you? Because like <laughs> I lost all of my family and friends who were badass warrior ladies and you guys are badass warrior ladies. And like, Hey, that'd be really cool. I'm trying like, to that would be my Ido movie. Tessa Thompson with a shaved head. Oh my god! I think I'd be into it. Yeah. Oh yeah. They probably have. They probably have really neat, like vibranium detox fluid for her too. Right. Right. (laughs) Because vibranium can do anything. Right. It literally can do anything. No more alcoholism for you. (laughs) Right. It bonds with the alcohol in your blood and reverses it. (laughs) Right. But yeah, I just like I would love to see that because and i didn't even think of it until julie said but like something with scarlet witch i think could be really 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 interesting um they got they really definitely got a about her forward. character but this movie like i for not really knowing much about her or vision i mm-hmm. found their interactions like really compelling yeah yeah seriously so like, who ex- who expected that ironically that was my least favorite part of the movie oh interesting <laughs> Vision so, is a robot baby, and she's a teenager. It's weird. They shouldn't have sex. It's weird. Sorry. She's not a teenager anymore, is she? Um, she looks like she's 30. She 30. Yeah, but, like, literally, there's a line in Civil War, and granted, it's been, I guess, two years since Civil War happened in canon, but he they say, like, you could be going to high school right now to her at one point, mm. which means that she's, like... Yeah, just like Wanda, Peter Parker. She looks Wanda right is, like, there. 22 tops. And Vision has been alive for about three years and is a robot. I just find it. And in the comics, they have, like, this epic, sweeping love story. And I'm just like, this is weird for me. I don't understand the dynamic here. (laughs) This is weird. I I think I just like Elizabeth Olsen. That's fair. She's a really good actor. Yeah, I like her performance. I find her very charming. That's that's Yeah. And I love Paul Bettany. I just, like, I find him delightful. Like... I don't know what it is. He's not like I don't even think he's like amazing. I just like whenever he does something, I'm like, oh, good for you. I like your work. Oh, <laughs> this just reminds me how the Fuller House writers could totally use Elizabeth Olsen as Michelle, and then there could be like meta jokes about you look a little different, <laughs> slightly true. different, but still like it's eerily similar. I mean, yeah. What's funny is that I don't think they can afford Elizabeth act. Olsen. 
Marvel can't afford the other one. Well, Marvel can afford Sorry. anything, including my idea. Yes, Kylie, go on. What is your idea? Uh, a musical, obviously. Obviously. I don't know why we don't have a Marvel musical yet. However, it would have to star, like, the entire Marvel cast, so I'm talking about TV show, too. So we got, like, Luke Cage singing, Jessica Jones begrudgingly singing, <laughs> in a very, like, Heather from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend <laughs> way. Chris Evans can break out his tap dancing skills. In terms of plot, I don't have one worked out, but truthfully, I think this would be a very satisfying conclusion to Infinity War Part 2. It's just everyone starts You know, singing. Kylie, the rest of us have been taking this question seriously. <laughs> <sighs> Fine. No, I mean, really my ultimate want for Marvel, I, I don't even know how I feel about this. It's just the, the Marvel characters I've always liked the most have been the X-Men. So mm. this franchise limping along without the X-Men, and I know they're kind of just writing them off. They're pushing in humans like that's that. But if I could pick any actual Marvel character to have a movie, it'd be Kitty Pride. Like not even a question. Same. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there are people have been saying that like because of the acquisition and merger that we might get the X-Men in the MCU, but like the presence of mutants is so important to the like fabric of society mm, and right. like yeah. how people envision th- like you can't just say oh by the way mutants have been here the whole time no, that would be can't. a really <laughs> and can we talk about how really hilarious like sony was all over the spider-man homecoming movie <laughs> just like sony 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 oh, don't forget funny. us don't forget us yeah uh, yeah, yeah. But, like I don't know. Kitty Kitty Pride is like just an awesome mutant, and she's totally not straight. She's nope. totally bi. Yep. <laughs> so I would also love to have known. Storm in Wakanda because you know. Oh man! Yes, oh my god! Or just Storm. Storm. God. Storm can carry a movie. Yeah, but like you know, Aurora and T'Challa have been you know comic book like they've been together. I'm trying to avoid the word lovers because I hate it. But uh, they've been bumping uglies. You know. They're involved. It's been, they've been a they've been a thing for a really long time in the comics, mm. and I'm like. Cool. It's weird to have Wakanda without Storm here, but also that I mean, would be literally impossible. Right. I, yeah, you couldn't do that. Storm without the X-Men would be weird. Sad. Yeah. Well, yep, those, those are my ideas. Kitty Pride, get the X-Men back. But otherwise, someone do a musical, even if it's just the next Thor movie. You know, <laughs> he, he sings about his trauma. I don't know. Except, like, that's not a bad idea, because I think Chris Hemsworth would be delightful. Like, Chris Hemsworth right? as Thor, like, singing would just be so charming. Yeah, we need to somehow get Tom Hiddleston back. So oh, my God. No resurrections, Kylie. I'm sorry, I just no heard an orgasm. I can't decide if he, his death is going to be undone or not. I'm thinking no, now. I don't but think so. I think, I, I think, I think that's the one that's going to stay. Yeah, and Heimdall. But right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Speaking, that's anyway, a good transition. Speaking of look at that. Death. Well, I was thinking that you drink too much and it probably was going to kill you. I don't plan to stop drinking. Oh, oh. So for our next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about like the, the end of the movie and just kind of the like slog. We're going to start <laughs> by talking about like just like the slog of death and, and the characters, all the characters who died. Um... And which ties neatly into the idea of like, this is like an event. And so this is like a crossover event. And we know that um, a significant amount of these deaths are going to be undone. Oh, so like, okay. how do those two yeah. things relate to each other? Can I just ask a quick question? Yes. Yeah. Um, who among you guys was spoiled for the end before you started? I was. I, I was I not. Okay. Um, okay. Just filing that away. Uh, <laughs> 
here's here's what I want to open with, which is that a lot of people thought they knew who was going to die in Infinity War, or at least they thought they had guesses based on whose contracts are up, right? Right. A lot of people were saying that Steve had to die. A lot of people, you know, we knew that, like, Robert Downey Jr. is at the end of his contract, right? Chris Evans is running up the end of his contract. And we know that they won't renew them? Chris Evans doesn't want to. I don't think either of them want to. Yeah. Yeah. Like, both of of them specifically have said they want to be done. Yeah. Yeah. I don't blame them. Um, And so they knew that the audience expectation going in is that, you know, we thought, for example... Peter and T'Challa were definitely going to be safe because we, you know, we know that Black, Pan- you know, Black Panther just made more money than any movie of all time. Yeah. And like, there's already another Spider-Man movie coming down the pipe. Mm-hmm. Right. So part of what they're doing as storytellers isn't just telling the story. It's knowing what we think the story is going to be because they have to, because this is an age in which, you know, people are very aware of things like actor contracts. Yeah, but, like, um, you know, subverting expectations like that also got us, like, Kirk's death at the end of Generations. You know, like, sometimes don't. <laughs> but what it did give us mm-hmm. is a reason to have the final movie be OG Avengers having to come together for one last hurrah. Structurally speaking, that is the neatest book uh, bookend they could possibly have. I think how that lands entirely depends on how engaged you are in the MCU. And like, right, right, and that's the thing is that for for people who are MCU fans, I think this worked really well. Yeah, it's for the what about the people who are, are MCU fans because of Black Panther, because of Spider Man, yep. because right. of like Scarlet Guardians. Witch, because of Guardians? Yeah, like <laughs> which is what I would classify myself into. I mean, like, my hatred for Tony Stark is legendary throughout the universe, so... That is accurate. (laughs) Yeah. What this movie had to do was bridge... Mm -hmm. You know, no no one's ever done this before, right? Done what, exactly? Had... It's not just... It's not just a sequel, right? It's not just a series of movies. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is a half-dozen different franchises that tie together movie by movie mm-hmm. into a mega franchise. And that's its where, greatest strength and its where greatest everything except yeah. Right, where everything affects everything else. Um, this is literally unprecedented in cinema. Like, no one's tried this before. That's true. And so I think that at a certain point, the people that they're writing to, the audience that they want to have the most satisfaction, are the people who are viewing it as a whole and not just the, I only like the Thor movie people or the, well, I was out for five years, but then Black Panther happened people. I think that ultimately, you know, they're going for the people who are seeing, sorry, as. Here is my question though. Holistically. Why did we have to watch that? Yeah. And then the snap. Why did we have to watch that? Right. Like, here's my question. Why do you have to end with, why couldn't you end on the snap and then start the next movie with those being the survivors? Because because it's devastating. But, because right, but like that—that's right. my point, though. Is that it, to my point is that that's that's it. That's bullshit. Like the because the people right. if the people if the people that they're writing for are the people who want to see like their OG Avengers team up. Like the those emotional deaths don't those deaths don't matter. But that's like, not true. That's well, not what I mean. They're, they're, I, 
Well, but this is kind of, this is the point that I'm getting at is like for the people, if the people that they're writing for are the people that want to see the OG Avengers team up and save the day one last time. Um, those like though the deaths of like the newer characters aren't, um, doesn't seem necessary because they can accomplish that goal without showing, without showing those deaths. They can accomplish their goal of like having the OG Avengers team up without those deaths. For the people who are coming What's for it? those new characters, that is really devastating and I think not in a helpful way. Because then what they're going for, they're just basically they're just going for narrative sadism. They just want the audience yeah. to feel bad because they want the audience to feel bad. Because they can accomplish all of the goals that they have without making the audience feel so devastating, especially an audience that is primarily going there's a significant number of families with young children going to be there. That's just the nature really of the not audience. supposed to be. I mean, like, angry nuns do have a point about that. This was a PG-13 movie. Right. No, they don't have a point. That means parental yeah. guidance. Yeah. This is a family movie. That's a standard rating for every single summer blockbuster mm, that right. you see with your family. That's true. Also, this is the same universe with Peter Parker. Hey, kids, did you like Homecoming? Good. Now you get to watch him say, no, please, I don't want to die yet. Right. Now you get to watch him die in the most, like awful way possible his death was definitely the most prolonged of everybody's it was also apparently it was, it was ad-libbed yeah it was ad-libbed that wasn't even in the script yeah yeah which like you says a lot for like, him as an actor <laughs> but also means that like it's intriguing to me that like everyone who talks about like well there's emotional resonance in the death and it's like well but the one that was emotion- emotionally resonant like wasn't even in the script that was entirely like improvised yeah it was just like but i i actually think too you know Leah, like, I'm very sympathetic to you saying, like, let's view this as a whole, but then don't pretend that this movie is a complete narrative. End on a snap, end on right. an actual cliffhanger, then there's an engagement, there's a reason I mean, if people the movie go, ended oh, up I, with I Baby Janora, like, basically Gamora. yelling, I did Gamora, it too, yeah, we'll Baby Janora, fuck <laughs> me with a stick. Okay, if the movie ended with Baby Gamora, like, basically <laughs> telling Thanos off and asking if it was worth it. I think that would have been a little more, like, to the point they were trying to, clearly trying to make than, like, him looking at the sunset. And just... Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it's just, like, that's that's part of my struggle, is, like, it can't be both a complete narrative and part one of a two-part story. Like, there's, there's not really a neat way that you can do that. And because the way they ended it, like... And I'm just not sure how much I care about that handoff happening you can just put characters on a shelf because you can put characters on a shelf i I just this kind of feels hubristic on marvel's part Mm -hmm. look what we created now you have to watch us do this like through this means except we know we know what's going to happen now there's no doubt what's going to happen yeah it it feels like john snow dying yep i think that's a really apt comparison Mm -hmm. because what you know one of the things that it's pretty obvious that they're basically just going to reset time. They're going to reset the timeline. I mean, they like they did it. <laughs> they, yeah, they showed us that that's possible even without the like without all of every single piece. Like you can just use the time stone to do that if they have to. Um, so we know that like it's pretty clear that's what they're going to do. They're just going to reset the timeline. So I walk away thinking like, well, then what's the point of this goddamn movie, friend? Like, what's the point of these two goddamn <laughs> movies then? If literally, are you going? To, if at the end of Avengers four. No, I like, don't think that's, that's, that's what's going to happen. That's kind of a weak argument though. because, like, but if at, if at the end of the Avengers four, nothing is really all that different mm-hmm. except some of the Avengers are no longer functioning. Well, like you know, ideally you have like character growth and a theme and a takeaway. Yeah, <laughs> but like, yeah. is there any character growth or themes or takeaway from this? Because that, that goes to Leah's point that no. this is only half a movie. 
So we need a two and a half hour setup a year ahead of time for a movie that might be emotionally resonant? That Maybe. might have a character arc? I mean... Shouldn't even part one of a two-part movie have character arcs and themes and resonance? That I mean, else had a character arc. But shouldn't it have, like character arcs for the protect like I mean, for the heroes as well like yeah again i do think Ga- I, th- I do think gamora had a character arc i think yeah. thor had a character arc i think tony had a character arc like i not everyone got to steve mostly got to emote at people but like steve was the use i mean all of the like you know civil war rebels were completely useless in this movie they they saved elizabeth olsen which she probably could have done herself rocket got to make a funny <laughs> joke about stealing bucky's arm which I did enjoy. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, the I think that the writing. I mean, this is the Cap writing team, and I think they were over. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to have too much Cap and be accused of being Cap centric and ah. overcorrected. Mm-hmm. Is my theory. But yeah. they um, thought that Captain Kirk should die in the bridge. Yeah. Okay. But here, okay. Here's my thinking because I've, yes, I've been have. thinking. I've been trying to parse why I thought this worked mm-hmm. when, for example, Stephen Moffat pulls this exact same shit. I hate yep. it. Yeah. Because, like, objectively, I see how they're, in many ways, essentially the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and where I've landed for the most part is that it's not, it's not that we're supposed to be, con- you know, obviously we're not supposed to be convinced that these deaths will stick. Mm-hmm. Because this is a comic book movie. But nothing made me radically reevaluate where these films would be willing to go like watching T'Challa disappear. Where is the I think value that- in that? No, like seriously I'm asking like what is, what is the value of saying oh they're willing to kill off a major character but only if they can bring him back again? The value in it is in saying that there there are in fact new stories to be told. It's I don't think that being inherently unpredictable is a value judgment, but I think that the fact that they were able to surprise us at all is kind of astonishing for something that's been going on for 10 years. What's kind of funny is that I feel like I had the exact opposite takeaways from this (laughs) in that, no, this movie is actually picking up the worst traits of what comics do, which is that it's kind of like, pushing forth these team-ups and these events at the cost of character arcs yeah, that yeah. have been built up that's in the solo films. The, like, that's what makes me angry about all the Avenger movies, yes. Right, like, spectacle mm-hmm. being valued. Um, and then this kind of, like, no character death is ever actually a character death because comics. You know, comics. Yeah. And then everything's cyclical because comics. And that's like, I, I think you can't translate that to film. I think, I think what this taught me is that comic events, which I already don't really like because mm-hmm. I get involved with certain characters mm-hmm. and it just feels like, oh good, now they have to get pulled off for this thing. And apparently I have to keep up. So like, you know, going into Guardians of the Galaxy 3, like you have to know what happened here, which is that a writer who's not used to writing these characters hooked up two of the characters that hadn't been hooked up, you know, put on these traumas for these characters when the whole arcs had been built around trauma to begin with. Like, that's just one example. Mm-hmm. But it's a, like, I just don't think comic events work in movies. And I, I don't they barely really fault, work in comics. Like I don't really fault Marvel for trying because you're right. Like this has never been attempted right. before. This type of movie arrangement has never been attempted before. But I don't think one, it's yeah, like I don't think it's inherently a problem. Like, but like comics are monthly also. Yeah. 
Yeah. Sometimes bi-weekly. And this is a, this is a fucking year. Like, at least don't pretend it was a full narrative. Don't show us those deaths just because, oh, then we won't be sure. You could still do unexpected things in Infinity War 2 and surprise us in Infinity War 2 for the same takeaways. Only maybe people would like want to see, you know, what Ant-Man and the Wasp. Like, who is possibly going to care about that right now? Me. A lot. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> I love the You want to see Kate from Lost web fly around? Doesn't it happen before the snap, though? Like, is it even relevant? It, 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 I imagine that it's going to catch up to the snap right at the end. Yeah. But also, uh, Oh, cool, maybe Wasp can disappear. Right no, but also, they're, sw- they're oh. establishing Quantum Zone stuff, which is definitely going to factor in, so. Oh, God. Okay. More comic book traits. Okay. Yeah, mm. sorry. 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 No, like, I get I get why they're going to it, but to me, it actually felt like the most formulaic thing they could have gone with. Like, yep. hey, what have comics been doing since the beginning of time? Let's do that. Right. Right. So, it, I it's mean, funny that it might, have, like, like trying to explain opposite. about, like, you know, different ages and continuities in comic books might have comforted that seven-year-old boy who was bawling yeah. at, yeah, here's at a, theater, Kylie. I, I saw it and... Started just immediately just shouting "fuck you" at the screen, and then I had to be kind of smacked by the people I was with, who were going like, "There's kids in this theater," and I was like, "There's what?" And then I looked over, and there was like a nine-year-old, and I was like, "Yes, yeah. I really wish I hadn't shouted fuck you' like really loud, like eight times, <laughs> and just doubled down on their trauma." Oh, Sorry, I totally swore when Amelia Clark came into the screen. Ah, uh, in the previews, um, that's a little <laughs> different than it's not really this movie. I know, but, um, like, she was in the stupid, like, there was, like, the stupid, you know, they have those, like, stupid little quizzes now in the movie theater, and you gotta, like, use your phone and answer the quiz. One of the quizzes yeah. was, like, her, and they were, like, the most stupid questions, and I was just like, ah! I just, one of one thing that, okay. that to me, I know it's really, I know it's primarily unfortunate timing, mm-hmm. um, but I do think this is something that probably could potentially have been foreseen. Um, really is everything to do with Wakanda. Like I, I know they couldn't predict how successful Black Panther would be, but even or that it'd still be in theaters, or right that now. it's still in, or that it's still in theaters right now. They they might not have been able to predict. What that. are you saying? They made that they made that movie not th- not thinking it was going to be successful. Why did they make that movie then? Well, I I'm, I'm not sure that they could have predicted how. I don't think they thought it would surpass right so many of its that, their other films. That's what I yeah. That's what I meant. That it would be like the the biggest movie. Not just in the MCU, but like biggest movie ever. Um, I don't think that they could have pre- predicted that level of success, but I think it is really unfortunate when you have like Black Panther is a groundbreaking movie in so many ways, and it is so powerful, and it is so necessary and so meaningful. And to have you have entire communities who have never like gotten to fully see themselves represented in this franchise finally get their own movie and then this genre in this genre and the next movie afterward kills off the primary character and half of the denizens of that country it's and i in front of them in front of them yeah like and i and i know that there are people who doubled up and would go see black panther and then saw infinity war and i just that that really bothers me that that was something that they that no one thought through like hey probably a bad idea to like kill off half of the this like the half of the citizen on screen to like on screen kill off half of this black country this like non colonized african country that is like such an important beacon of like hope and representation and like let's just 
of all of the places that we could kill off half the people, let's do it there. But the reason that they did it there is because Wakanda was absolutely central to this, like, epic fight for the fate of humanity, which is a good thing, right? Right. I mean, what they're ultimately saying is that Wakanda was the best hope for the world. I think there is still something visceral. Oh, sure. I I, I I absolutely agree. The first thing I thought when that happened was, Mm -hmm. oh, you really stepped in it. Also, like, like, every other Black Avenger besides, I think, Rhodey died? Yep. Like, Including Gamora, who yep. sort of counts. Yeah, out of universe. <laughs> yeah. I know the I body... I mean, we learned Valkyrie's okay, but yeah. off screen. Yeah. Right, like, the body count was high anyway, but there was a pretty high, like, like non-white body count. Like, uh, a significantly yeah. high non-white body count on screen, and and I know that that's not intentional, but it is extremely unfortunate. And I'm Long not sure alive, was the best choice. Probably. End with the snap. <laughs> Just end with the fucking snap. Yeah. Right. I, if they had ended with a snap, but had the post credit sequence when uh, Robin from How I Your Mother disintegrated, <laughs> would that make you happy? Um, I don't really like post credit sequences. Well, here's what I will say. Seeing the post credit sequence a little bit alleviated my discomfort at ending with the devastation in Wakanda because it showed, like, here's what happens when half of the drivers are suddenly not driving their cars. Yeah, that, like, did right. you think of that? Did like, that enter like, into your calculus? Did you like account the for de- that? No, but like seeing the devast... Like, mm. Wakanda, you know, Wakanda has a main city, but we weren't in it. We were out in a on the plains where only their most dedicated fighting force was. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you see it in that context, it's like, well, wow, shit, a whole bunch of Wakandans just died. But then to make sure we cut back to, no, here's what it's like in a major city and literally everyone's dying made it feel more brutal on the one hand, but a little less concentratedly Well, and see, I didn't realize there was a post-credit sequence and I didn't see that. There's oh, always a post. You always sequence. have to stay to the end. With yeah, they, all, they even made fun of it in uh, Spider-Man. They just had Captain America going, like, talking about the value of patience. It was yeah. funny. <laughs> I just, that, mm. I I don't think that that's a fair thing to just demand that every audience member just knows yeah. that they have to wait and for a post-credit sequence, especially if the post-credit sequence is important for something like that's, that, for, like, I mean, alleviating the tension. Like, it's... That's really that's literally just Marvel culture, though. Like, I, I don't mm. mind post-credit sequences that set something up. If you give me a full narrative. Yeah, I mean, but the like, end of the post-credit sequence is that uh, uh, Nick Fury literally presses a beeper for Captain Marvel to show up. It, it ends on a moment of extreme yeah. hope. Everyone cheers. Yeah. It's a good thing. Right, but, but see, like... I had no idea what that symbol meant, so I had to ask Kylie about it. Yeah, I know. It means, me, like, it means like, Carol's like, That is crucial to if, the narrative. My, right, my thought is, like, if it's important enough that that be what you end your movie on, like... If it end is, your movie on it. End your movie on it. Like, end your, if that is important that that be the final note that your audience members walk out with, end your movie on it. Because I'm not the only casual fan who's not going to know that they have to stay. Like, if you're going to have post-credit sequence, do it like Black Panther did, which is like, oh, here's some, like, fun extra material. Don't, like, make – don't end which your is, movie. I think the UN scene should have been into. And then, like, end – don't – don't have your final credit sequence be like a significant modifier of the story that you told in your main movie. 
literally the way the first Iron Man ends is a post-credit sequence where he invites Tony to the Avengers Initiative. Like, I get where you're coming from. I but... haven't seen Iron Man. No, I, I know, but like... Good. <laughs> like, I just, like, I understand that for, like, established fans who know, but, like, how, like, the va- of that audience, of an audience in a movie theater, how many of them are going to be established fans who know? And how many of them I'm, are going I'm to be legitimately like surprised me? that you don't that it hasn't gotten around to you that you should always stay to the very, very end. <laughs> I like I'm 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 legitimately taken aback by the fact that that is not a known thing. So I I don't really know how to engage with your question because like <laughs> fair, I'm just this is just not my world. <laughs> like I would say the majority do know, but at the same time like the ending of the movie is the ending of the movie. Right. Yeah, you can set sure. I don't care. I don't care if it's Bucky Barnes waking up in Wakanda. That's obviously right. just like a little Easter egg thing. Right. But like even the UN scene in the mid credits for Black Panther, I think that should have been closing out the movie. You know, like I just I don't like what they do with this. It, it really yeah, bothers me. I don't like the idea of putting like significant, significant like to putting scenes that that like significantly modify either the tone or the or arc the of your or the meaning or the arc of your yeah. story. Not in the movie. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's a good storytelling technique either. No. And and the last shot we got, I'm sorry, like what everything, the last shot we got is Thanos kind of having his like Ocean's Eleven moment where he's looking at the yeah. fountain. Like yeah. that's, that was the ending tone. Um, and it's just, I think well, that's. Well, I mean, that's, the ending tone then continued with, you know, having the title credits disappear into dust and then saying Thanos will reappear, you know, like they, they were being deliberately malicious at the ending of this movie. They wanted you to, they like the, the knife twist wasn't an accident. Hmm. You know, whether or not you think that's responsible storytelling is a, is, you know, a (laughs) fair question, but like, it wasn't that they were like, Oh, oops, that's how we ended it. Like that's, that's, that's how they intended to end it. Yeah. Right. Uh, And I think if that's how you intended to end it, to then say like, well, but like the the final sequence made it better. I'm just like, well, but they clearly wanted they clearly wanted to like like be sadistic with the ending of that movie, very intentionally. So end with the snap, and the only th- well, not the only thing. End with the snap, and my biggest gripe would be Gamora and everything, right? With like how they portrayed Thanos, but it wouldn't really be like the full like oh now he gets to rest and sit back. It would actually be a cliffhanger that would make you you know, on your toes. And in, you know, Infinity War 2, they could really subvert all the expectations of people being like, I bet it's all the old Avengers that are dying. Right. Um, just ending on this note felt so exhausting to me. Like, it was funny because Griffin, I, I watched it with him and he he came out because like, you know, we had laughed a few, uh, like, during it because it's, it's just quippy people in a room being quippy for like right. 80% of the film. I do film. really enjoy that. Yeah, I yeah. Do. Well, I mean, what else can you do with, like, I'm sorry, it's Tony Stark and Doctor Strange in a room together. What else do you do to that? Talk about them? their entitlement. They're, <laughs> they're each trying to be more Sherlock Holmes than the other one. Yeah. And, and Griffin was like, oh, we'll look up the end sequences later. I really have to pee because I, I did too. And his comment on the way to the bathroom was, that was fun. And I was like, yeah, that was a real pip. And, and my boyfriend has learned not to say anything after a movie until, like, I start ranting. So, yeah. <laughs> you so and like, Griffin have to spend more time together, Kyle. <laughs> no, I mean, he, he ultimately agreed, but, like, yeah. how do you come out of that? Like, fun, cool, I'm glad that happened. Like, what? 
Yep. Uh, I mean, Gretchen, you said you said something uh, before we uh, we started recording that your favorite part was the team up between Thor and Rocket. Yeah, which I do not disagree. I mean, it was like, yeah, like I think I like I like Rocket like more than I thought I did. I love and Rocket. Thor is like I, don't know, I think I just like I, that hot guy. It's just like a pair up that like I never would mm-hmm. have like yeah. intentionally put them together, but you put them together and they just like play off of each other in a really funny way because like. Rocket is just, like, sarcastic con man all the time, and Thor mm-hmm. just, like, takes him at face value. And I mean, unless, like, like I hear some horror story about the actor who's like a perception with that eye patch, why the fuck did they give him a fake eye? That's my only complaint about that. It better be because the actor was just walking into walls. Like... <laughs> Yeah, what? What? That is strange. Yeah. Like in Ragnarok, it was like so, so significant that Thor lost his hammer it's and super Thor lost an eye, and then they're just like, "Here you go. There, there you go. They're back. You're good now." I feel like we could make this a seven-hour episode if we tried. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> here I will also say I, what I really appreciate is that this was the first ensemble movie where I feel like it actually captured the fact that Thor has the power of a god. Yes. Yeah, that's true. That uh, was yes, he was really, like a Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, that was kind of a, like I. Yeah, that was pretty badass. I yeah. will admit, like you, like you see, like the Bifrost coming, and then he lands and is lightning everywhere. And I was yeah. like, "Right, he's a god. He is the yeah. god." of Other Thunder. Avengers like, movies have not captured the fact that Thor wildly outpowers everyone. Oh else. yeah, they sort of lampshaded that in Ragnarok. Yeah, and they're like, "You believe?" And actually, speaking of people who have arcs, I thought that Bruce not being able to turn into the Hulk was a really inspired move. Well, that, that's going to be um, over the course of three movies, his arc, yeah. isn't it? Because it kind of started with the Planet Hulk movie, otherwise known as Thor Ragnarok, but it's Planet Hulk. Right. Yeah. Um, the movie that made me realize that he's a giant Jewish stereotype. <laughs> like, the, I, as someone who is only a casual fan and has not seen the Hulk movies, hasn't seen Thor Ragnarok, I watched that and I was like, the whole time I was like, this is a dick joke. <laughs> well, yeah. This oh. is a dick joke the whole time. The, I, like, the, I had no like emotional yeah, investment. I was that. like, oh, this is just a dick joke. This is just like he's got erectile dysfunction. <laughs> well, yeah. Obviously. Only that one time with Tony, it was that, and it certainly was that in that moment. But I, 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 I did have to say, I think the the thing I found funniest was just Tony's like, "You're embarrassing me in front of the magicians." I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, just the delivery that was really funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, they called them wizards. That was yeah. always follow funny. The, yeah, wizards. the wizards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I will certainly agree with the fact that this movie makes it hard to talk about anything about it besides sending. Mm, I think yeah. that they did that on purpose, whether, you know, again, like, uh, but it's... But that's so, like, Games of Thrones-y, like, water yeah. clay or, like, thing. Like, well, and, I don't and, like that. and it was Game of Thrones-y in that there was only one smart person in the room ever, mm. and it was Thanos, because no one can actually assert a smart point to a counterpoint or everything falls apart. Like, that also is what bugged me. And, and I think a lot of it... And power to increase sexual education throughout the universe. And I think a lot of it is that they misdiagnosed who the protagonist needed to be, and it needed to be Gamora, but they made it <laughs> Thanos instead. I think that's what it comes down to. Well, and, I mean, on the topic of Game of Thrones, like, the thing that stood out to me the most about what made it so similar, which is probably why it was so frustrating for me to watch, was, like, it seemed to mistake emotional reactions with good storytelling. With good and powerful storytelling. Because what I hear people say that, they're like, well, I felt something watching it. And I'm like, well, it doesn't mean it's a powerful story. Like, it, this was, to me, so blatantly manipulation. So blatantly yeah. just like, we want you to feel as awful as possible at the end of this movie for no other reason than that you that we want you to feel also awful because you know we're just going to undo these deaths anyway. 
but we still want you to feel awful about it. I mean, were they actually and assuming that the casual fans would not realize that everyone was going to come back? I don't think that I don't think so. Yeah. Because like I'm a casual fan and I even watched it and was like, well, of course these people are coming back because I know that like they're talking about a Black Panther 2 movie. I mean, I, know that I, there's, like, I see it the same way as <sighs> this is opening as such a can of worms. The same reason <laughs> that did. George Lucas thought there was any point in making prequels when we already know how they end. We already know that Anakin falls to the dark side, right? The whole point but is But there was a is, million things he could have done to actually make that story interesting, and he didn't do any of them. Sure. That was the problem. Sure. But In like, much what? the same way, they're certain they're setting up the fact that we know that they're going to bring everyone back. They just want us to feel... What's interesting is the how. They just want us to feel really shitty about it in the meantime, just... Because they can. I think that was the wrong thing to set up. I can't. I can't keep saying end on the snap. But why did they need <laughs> to set it up so that we know everyone's coming back? Why is that the suspenseful note? Right. Like, all I do is write gap filler fic. I know that you can craft narratives when you already know the end point. That's what interests me. Right. But this is just like it was a two and a half hour setup that was just this like weird slugfest. Isn't our villain awesome though? I mean, I, I, also, I think that the meat of the movie did better than that. I really do. I think that, you know, taking the ending aside, I was very impressed with, you know, having a cast of dozens and being able to make even a slightly coherent story takes a lot of effort. Okay, and, you, ha- you have a point there. And especially compared yeah. to, say, something like, I kind of see this movie as like the equal opposite inverse of The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi is, timeline-wise, a total mess. Half of its stories don't really work, and the pacing doesn't match. And But ultimately, the way it comes together, you feel like it had a point, right? Because mm-hmm. it did have a point. Ryan Johnson had something to say. I don't think they have anything to say with this. Yeah, and and I, here's the opposite, which is that I think that, you know, we were talking about whether or not this even counts as a movie. I think you know. that, like, from a from a story craft standpoint, the number of plates they were able to keep spinning coherently and you always knew where you were and who was who and what the mm-hmm. stakes were was actually incredibly impressive. What is this movie about, though? Yeah, but they're the ones who decided in the first place that they were going to have all these plates and they were going to juggle them. Like, Sure. Nobody held a gun to their head and made them do that. <laughs> like, and just, I'm, I'm questioning the wisdom of that, like, the very concept of this movie. That's comics. That's comics. Yeah, I mean, it's because it's a comic book adaptation. I mean, I'm not saying that they didn't manage to make, like, you know, a presentable purse out of that sousier that they had of, like, having all these characters that they had to shove together, but just, like, it's still, like, you know, gross pigskin into a purse. Like, Right, and I just, and I just don't, like, I don't know what this movie is about. Um, it's kind of, it's about utilitarianism versus emotional connection, yep. but it doesn't seem to have anything to say about it. No, it doesn't. Yeah, people will be on both sides of it randomly, and it doesn't matter because magic beans. So right, ultimately, like none of those, cho- like none of the characters have like are able to affect any kind of change other than Thanos. I, I think what bothers me the most, Abigail Nussbaum, um, who's a media critic, commented on this on Twitter, is that like this movie is lauded while the Last Jedi is pretty much like despised now. That's just kind of the hive mind with it, at least with like a very particular type of geeky person, right? Mm-hmm. Or man, I should say. Yeah. Oh, and you went there. It's like, that was a movie that took risks and said something. And you can maybe say it didn't do it very delicately. 
there's ways it could have been tightened and there's implications that weren't thought about. Right. But it had something to say. This movie is just kind of the shell of something and it's set up. It, it's not, like, again, it's not a movie, really. It's it doesn't not. have anything to say on its own. Because if they didn't make a sequel, this movie would be just, like, empty and if, hollow. But if they weren't making, they wouldn't have made this movie if they weren't making a sequel. It's a, right, it's a circular, but, you know. But is that is that something that you can do? Yeah, like, like what is if that they're, that's, what what they're, that's what they're finding like, out because no one else has tried. Godlike outer space figure who snaps his fingers and everybody who's involved in making this movie vanishes. <laughs> what will it be? Like, <laughs> right? You know? It just it's it's a very odd. <laughs> it is. I agree with Kylie in that I don't think this is the kind of thing that translates well across medium. Yeah, like I think that because I'm not I'm I'm not a big fan of it in comics either but i think that in film because of the nature of film and the nature of like the timeline in which films are released and and a whole host of other Mm -hmm. things this that this is a situation where like they experimented and i think what we're finding out is like this doesn't work like i don't think this is the kind of thing that you can do very well granted in a a visual medium reception is proving the opposite to them yeah but Right. It's going to bother me as a form of storytelling. Yeah, right, I, I think. again, I think that ultimately I'm going to hold off on, and it could be, it could be that Avengers Four makes me hate this movie. Like that's certainly a possibility. Well, let like, me ask you something: Will you be willing to come back on for Avengers Four, no matter what? I hope I will opinions? be on many more times before then. But yes, certainly. Yes. No, I, you're not allowed oh, back until never. you're off. This going to spit into my palm and shake on it. All right. Yeah. Um, right. I will I'm also say <laughs> that if nothing else, this movie provided me with several shots of Steve and Natasha walking in lockstep from behind, and <laughs> it did. That alone makes it a cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> oh, I will say, like the experience of watching it, I am being overly critical in terms of the entire experience, like in the first hour and a half of it, I would say was enjoyable fodder. Like yeah. it was. Um, but just for me, when I don't think there's a point to it and I am that upset by implications and that exhausted by the ending, that's going to be my takeaway. So yeah, I, I do want to say like, yes, I laughed a good amount yeah, I during did. it. Yeah. And I think, I think you're right. They kept the split plate, they kept the plate spinning in an entertaining and somewhat coherent way. And given the other thing that I will say that I think that they did well at, so I guess we can end on some praise. Um, <laughs> is I think that given, especially integrating Guardians of the Galaxy, like Guardians of the Galaxy has its own like unique like tone and ambiance yeah. to those films. And given how vastly different Guardians of the Galaxy is from most of the other like MCU franchises in terms of like the the tone and yeah. the, mm-hmm. and like the character banter, I do think that like while I didn't think I don't think they did it perfectly, I think they did a pretty darn good job of integrating the various tones mm-hmm. from yeah. like Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor, um, Captain America, like all of those different like. They did a decent job. I, it wasn't perfect by any means, but like given how vastly different some of these tones are, yeah. like I think they did a pretty darn good job. Yeah, some of the transitions were a little jarring. Right. Well, I mean, scenes, just the f- but... opening with Rubber Band Man and then like going from <laughs> every other like place marker in that movie had been absurdly specific and then it just went space. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it was just like. That was. 
Okay, I guess the Guardians are here now. And especially because you can tell it's space. Like, exactly. Like, exactly. I don't. I don't need that title card. Thanks. I right. can see like the planets and stars and nebulas around. Right. I know like, this so, is space. So that, like, that was just such a great laugh moment. Like that was right. Yeah. But it was oh, so was like, oh, the Guardians are coming because the right. tone was so different. I mean, yeah. Right. Yeah. It yeah. totally worked. But also just like, you know, having Okoye say like, you know, when you said you wanted to open the world up to Wakanda, I thought you meant the Olympics. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was maybe a Starbucks. <laughs> that was great. And also seeing Okoye and Natasha have a fighting moment together was pretty awesome. I just like when Okoye saw um, Scarlet Witch out on the field, and she's like, why the hell is she not here this yeah. whole time? Oh, actually, yeah, wait a minute. We haven't even talked about the most suspenseful fucking thing about this movie, is that we don't know what the fuck happened to Shuri. Right? Oh, yeah. The moment where she is continuing to work on Vision when people are getting shot behind her is potentially the most scared I've ever been in a movie theater. Right. Well, maybe... And maybe proud. If, uh, and, and yeah, f- fucking proud. Maybe in the extended cut, like, she disappears into leaves, too, but they decided that was too much, so... You have to Peter Parker... She went yeah. to if Shuri is also dead, then we really are fucked. No, I, right. I, 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 yeah, but like, no, no they, they're gonna need her to whatever yeah. MacGuffinify yeah. the quantum yeah. I'm also field very the... excited for the next movie to start with Tony and Nebula alone on a planet. Oh my god, that was so awkward. <laughs> they, that's gonna be, I'm hoping that will be the new Thorin rocket is Tony and <laughs> Nebula trying to get along. How can they kill Groot again? That was cruel. That was horrible. And have and you like seen Rocket? Like Rocket reacts to that. Like, oh god, having was... to see that again, just ugh. I mean, the fact that we just Bucky just says Steve and then dies is ugh, are you deeply. A Please tell me you're not a Bucky, you Steve shipper. <laughs> These movie they've literally said the plot of Winter Soldier is a romance between Bucky and Steve. Like, shipping aside, they are they are each other's person. It's affecting. Yeah, yeah, but that does like. I don't want to be one of those yes, annoying yes, straight people. Yes, we know how people. you feel about platonic male love, Julia. I think it's important. And it I think <laughs> Buckethan Barnes yeah. finally getting his brain back and then dying again is very sad. Yes. Yeah, that was kind of ridiculous. Anyway, we are way Yeah, this is like a time. two and a half hour episode. <laughs> this episode is about as long as Infinity Wars. You can, you can edit out all my ranting about Amelia Clark. It will take it back to emphasize. <laughs> it's fine. Look. This episode is set up for the next episode, and that's going to make this whole thing come together. Which, like we said, will probably be about Steven Universe, because holy shit, stuff's going down. Yeah. Hey, we should try to have Bo on for it. We should what? Yes, we should. We should invite Bo yes. for yes. the next episode. We can all just, like, gush together. It'll be, like, a wonderful love fest. It'll be great. It might just be incoherent screaming for a while. Yeah. Speaking of incoherent screaming, for those of you who like how Julia and I cover Game of Thrones, <laughs> we just started the Game of Thrones rewatch project, The Wars to Come. Yeah. And that's on the Fundamentals every Tuesday. We're going to be posting a piece about it or a podcast at the end of each season. Yeah. Uh, so so far, it's been interesting, but we also have like two pieces up. So yes, no, only one. one. When this is released. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and uh, we are going to have another unabashed book snobbery episode this month. Uh, the second part of our Tyrion reread, right? If we are up for it, we might decide to. Bail. If I can yeah. read it, <laughs> we might decide to bail on that because we're grown ups or something, but. <laughs> Because I have a job where yeah. I actually have to do things during my job. Not just Being read, a Tyrion, we never mentioned how he like. Is yeah, in we the didn't Marvel. mention the giant dwarf. Yeah. <laughs> oh my giant God. Peter Dinklage. We didn't. We didn't mention that like Tyrion Lannister is apparently Tyrion in Lannister the MCU. is in the MCU. Yes, <laughs> just like okay, Peter. What we want you to do is just pretend that this dwarf is actually Tyrion. Go. Yeah, but and the, please, but large. <laughs> same exact, same accent. Yep. Yeah. Great. 
<laughs> Except unlike Tyrion, when this dwarf has to be mutilated, it actually happens. Yep, he loses his touche. Even though they <laughs> seem to be also, perfectly we functional. We forgot to mention. We forgot to mention that Peter Quill's man pain doomed everyone. Ugh, Peter Quill, fucking. <laughs> I was so irrationally angry at that okay, moment. I, I was like, God damn it. I have a thing to say about that, but I don't want to make this episode even longer. What, did you like it? No, it's, <laughs> it's that apparently, like, so, like, the the Infinity War team, Marcus, McFeely, Russo, and Russo, like, yeah. went talking to all of the, you know, like, they talked to Ryan Coogler about the Wakanda stuff. Yeah. They talked to James Gunn about the Guardian stuff. And they said One that helps. They're, they're, they did not identify... They did not identify the moment, but they said there was one moment that they'd written for a Guardians character, and it, it didn't affect the plot in any particular way, just that it was a interesting character beat, and James Gunn pushed back on it and said, no, I think it would go this way, and they were like, oh, that's interesting, and then uh, uh, they said that uh, Chris Pratt agreed with James Gunn, and they changed it, which makes me think... Which makes me think it was a Peter Quill moment, because otherwise it would have been one of the other actors who weighed in. You sure it wasn't him firing the gun? That's what I would, that, that mm-hmm. was, that, that would be my first instinct, that, that it was the scene with the gun. I, I think so, but there's always the possibility that it's the other one, because there's kind of well, only two know, scenes it could be. Here's the thing, if you're going to be out of control with man pain, at least just shoot him in the head. He's not invincible at that moment. Like, he could have just shot him in the head. Right. Instead of Peter Quill has never been known for his smarts. <sighs> I just like I wish they just had I don't know. It was just like it felt so much like we were so close and then just like some jealous asshole some yeah. like entitled asshole male character is like but my woman and fucks <laughs> everything. And I was like, Ugh, do we really need to have that? Like is that we, we absolutely do. necessary? Scattered. I mean, it's certainly in character for Peter Quill. You know what's in character for us? That it's almost two hours and we're still talking. So, if you liked this episode, God knows why, please uh, subscribe to our feed and leave us a review or rating. That helps us be discovered. Also, recommend this to your friend, however they felt about Infinity War. I'm sure this is great. Um, Hey, we have a variety of opinions. We do. Right? This is fair and balanced, just like our mission statement. Uh, other than that, definitely look out for our writing on thefandamentals.com. And a huge thank you to uh, Leah, who we are sure is going to be back before Avengers 4. Yeah. Uh, but then also probably for that as well. So you only have to wait a year. You, you, can, you can send in your predictions now. And yep, that's all we got. Thank can we you. can we end with a snapping finger noise? Oh my gosh. Oh, oh yes, yes we can. Yes. <laughs> and then we all disappear. Thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next time. I don't wish to excite your anticipations. <laughs> what was it? I don't wish to. I don't remember. Damn, my pride prejudice knowledge is rusty. All right. I just, I just got a book called Gay Pride and Prejudice. Is it Charlotte Lucas? Uh, I, did they literally I, just like make Elizabeth a dude? No, I think like Charlotte yes. is gay, and maybe even Caroline Bingley. 
Yeah, that's the only good thing about Lost in Austin. I read a I read a one shot where Kitty is gay, and it's the best. Kitty was always my favorite. I will link you all. <laughs> that's amazing. 